After a few of the usual Sunday morning hymns, the church's minister once again slowly stood up. He walked over to the pulpit and gave a very brief introduction of his childhood friend. With that, an elderly man stepped up to the pulpit to speak. He starts off by saying, a father, his son, and a friend of his son were sailing off the Pacific coast when a fast approaching storm blocked any attempt to get back to shore. The waves were so high that even though the father was an experienced sailor, he could not keep the boat upright, and the three were swept into the ocean. The old man hesitated for a moment, making eye contact with two teenagers who were, for the first time since the service began, looking somewhat interested in his story. So he continued, grabbing a rescue line, the father had to make the most excruciating decision of his life. To which boy would he throw the other end of the line? He only had seconds to make the decision. The father knew that his son was a Christian, that he was baptized, believed, and was faithful. And he also knew that his son's friend was not. The agony of his decision could not be matched by the torrent of the waves. As the father yelled out, I love you, son, he threw the line to his son's friend. By the time he pulled the friend back to the capsized boat, his son had disappeared beyond the raging swells into the black of night. The body of his son was never recovered. By this time, the two teenagers were sitting straighter up in the pews, waiting for the next words to come out of the old man's mouth. The father, he continued, knew his son would step into eternity with Jesus, and he could not bear the thought of his son's friend stepping into an eternity without Jesus. Therefore, he sacrificed his son. How great is the love of God that he should do the same for each and every one of us. With that, the old man turned and sat back down in his chair as silence filled the room. Within minutes after the service ended, the two teenagers were at this old gentleman's side. That was a nice story, politely started the boys. But I don't think it was very realistic for a father to give up his son's life in hopes that the other boy would become a Christian. Well, you've got a point there, the old man replied, glancing down at his worn-out Bible. A big smile broadened his narrow face, and he once again looked up at the boys and said, it sure isn't very realistic, is it? But I'm standing here today to tell you that that story gives me a glimpse of what it must have been like for God to give up his son for me. You see, I was the son's friend. God expects his people to study his word. 
babies, we know that in the third world countries, if you see advertisements on the TV, are are starving. And they're starving so much that they actually begin to lose their appetites due to malnourishment. A lack of appetite indicates a very serious illness. A lot of times when relief workers will go over to these places and bring food to those who are starving and are malnourished, they have to force these people to eat because they've lost their appetites. There are many Christians who are seriously spiritually malnourished. And they have lost their appetites for the word of God. The Bible is our source, of course, of spiritual nourishment. We cannot expect to grow and stay strong in our faith apart from a regular diet of God's word. As we, as a church, we cannot obviously force feed you. But we want to inspire each and every one of you to have a desire within you, a desire to crave the word of God. The word of God was written for a purpose. Our text this morning is 1 Peter chapter 1. The word of God was written for a purpose, and it wasn't just because God thought it was a nice thing to do. He wrote it so his people could know him better and know what he expects. As we were talking in our Bible study this morning in Hebrews chapter 11, some of the offerings between Cain and Abel was an understanding of knowing what God expected when we offered that sacrifice. So 1 Peter chapter 1, I'll begin reading in verse 23 and continue through chapter 2, verse 3. Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. For all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man as the flower of grass. The grass withereth, and the flower therefore falleth away. But the word of the Lord endureth forever. And this is the word which by the gospel is preached unto you. Wherefore, laying aside all malice and all guile and all hypocrisies and envies and all evil speakings, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby, if so, be ye have tasted that the Lord is gracious. We need to study God's word together. We have Sunday morning Bible study. It is aimed at trying to equip us with the knowledge and the tools necessary to have a strong faith. While it is important that we study God's word, and we study it on our own, we can understand many aspects of God's word. But there are certain insights that we develop together. When we study together, there are certain special things that may be discussed that we never thought of with a group of people when we meet together to study God's word. I would like to encourage each and every one of us, if we had to try to be at our Bible study, our Bible studies at 10 a.m. on Sunday morning, 
I would encourage, of course, each and every one of us to read daily and to study daily from our word. I believe you will find that you are blessed because of it, and you will be a blessing to others by that studying together. There are several reasons that I feel that it's important to study God's word together. One, God can often reveal new information that we may not have seen of. Sometimes we reveals it in his word. Sometimes I think it is revealed to us by other individuals' understanding. I'm 66 years old. I started attending here when I was five. I was baptized when I was approaching 18, about 17. I don't remember the exact year, but I was, you know, right around 17, I believe, about a junior in high school when I was baptized by Billy McDonald here. But yet, I look at the new insights I get daily, this morning, in discussions. It's funny how I was preparing for the lesson this morning. But then when other individuals, when Larry mentioned something today, it brought a new thought to my head, something that I didn't think of. So that's what I find in my math classes when I was a teacher. A lot of it was discussion. You know, I always loved it when the history teacher could write down their lesson and use the same lesson I watched. Our eighth grade history teacher, he just wrote a new date every year. He just changed whatever the date was going to be in his lesson plans and so on. And I thought, that's awesome. Like, you just present the same thing. You know, because history, it doesn't change. When you're talking about American history, it's pretty well Paul Revere and all the things. In math, yes, it's structural, but based upon the kids' discussion, the kids' questions, the kids, you know, um, as they analyze problems, and we start to solve, it, it was all open old discussion. Our lessons changed year after year just based upon the class discussion that took place. And in our Bible study, I would encourage you on that. The insights, the things that we can go into by talking word for word. So we look at that. And we look at what we have. We may need help understanding something. There are individuals, if you've noticed, there are times that you come up. Now, eventually, I'm going to study enough that I won't have to say this. But if you notice, you come up and ask me questions, and what did I say this morning? Well, you'll have to talk to Dale and Tom and individuals like that that have a deeper understanding of the scriptures than I do. I can't just, you know, when I asked... It was interesting when I asked Ray to read something today. Dale says, I think that's where it says. <laughs> I mean, he already knew what the word said before we even turned there. And that's eventually what I want to get to. Someday I'm going to say, ask me. I think I know that. Uh, don't hold your breath. I've got a couple more years. <laughs> but anyhow, that's what we're looking at. Imagine what it could be like if we had a full comprehension that we can encourage one another. The mentorships. I know as a coach, we used to have the mentorships of the older. We used to, I used to love it as a middle school coach when the high school students came down on Thursdays. They had a late practice. So they'd come down after school and work with our kids. And our kids would develop a relationship with them. And then they were encouraged to go to the game on Friday night. And they would look at the kids. The kids would wear, the varsity would wear their uniforms when they came down to practice. And then the kids would look for those individuals and have a relationship that, hey, you know what, that, that kid, 
um, worked with me, and, and there was a personal relationship built up. And that's what we'd like to do in our Bible studies. Ephesians 4, verses 11 and 12. Ephesians 4, 11 and 12, it tells us, and he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. There are some people that God has gifted with the ability to get a great insight out of an individual passage. Also, though, we may have read a passage or story countless times, but we can always learn and grow from each other. The Ethiopian eunuch in Acts 8. We know that story. They had been in Jerusalem worshiping. He probably had heard some things about Jesus. And he was reading from Isaiah 53 about the suffering servant. He could not understand that particular scripture on his own. He needed some help. So we know as we were writing, he said to Philip, well, how will I understand this if, unless somebody teach me? And it says that Philip explained to him. He turned to that passage that was talking about Jesus. It, there were times that we can learn simple truth over and over and over again. But there was a different insight into this that Philip gave of this particular passage. We know the basic stuff is important. It can nourish us totally spiritually. But yet, we know that we can also encourage one another. We have a deeper insight of the scriptures in our discussions. Some people feel that they have no need for the basic stuff. Or they feel once they have read the Bible, they have read enough. Hmm. I'd like you to think of this. Imagine one day, if you came home, and you had been working all day, and you were starving. And you ask your spouse, what is for dinner? And you heard that you were having the same meal you had two weeks ago, or maybe a week ago, or maybe two days ago. For some people, it might be leftovers. It is highly unlikely you would refuse that meal because you had it before. You still enjoy the basic foods that you eat. How many times have you eaten pancakes or steak or bacon and eggs? You don't say, well, I've had enough of that. I have to have something new. I'd like to apply that to our spiritual reading of the Bible. Many times we'll say, oh, the prodigal son, I know that story. But there are times that we as ministers, when we look at it, there's only so much of the Bible and the stories, and eventually, for you people that have been here for years and years and years and years, there is going to be a possible replication of certain verses, key verses in the Bible. But we'd like to try to present them in a different way. That's what we do in our Bible study. I have a set way when I read it, I keep going over the same thing. Did you ever notice that you can't find something and somebody will come in and find it in the first five minutes? Sometimes. Because it's a different set of eyes looking at it when we do that. Or math. I know that there's times that, you know, my grandson, that's really what my grandson and I do. He pretty well, you know, understands. They say, so let's look at it together. And he always says, Papa, let's go through it together. And what he's saying is, there's times that if I or he make one mistake, 
you know, the whole problem of calculus takes, you know, some of those problems take up half a page or a page. And we're thinking, you want to spot it right away. So by us looking, we're basically counter looking at each other. That's what we do in our Bible study. We encourage one another. You have a different set of eyes, different thoughts, different views looked at the same thing. I was amazed at Wicked. You know, you heard the story, you heard the story of the Wizard of Oz. And you always thought that the Green Witch was evil. But then if you went to see the musical Wicked, it was interesting that it was from the witch's point of view. And from that point of view, she wasn't so bad. It was the wizard that was actually the bad guy. It just depends on your perspective. And what I look at is, we know that we have God's perspective and we have Satan's perspective. When we get together, we can encourage each other on the different views that God has. Each of us might be tempted a different way by Satan. In our discussions, we can talk about different temptations, different devices that Satan uses to encourage, and we can encourage each other how we can overcome those. So we look at that. I have learned that every person has some great insight. Every person has a different background, different experiences that they were brought up that they can bring to the table, as you say. When we meet and study, a class is better when we all share our perspective, our insight on these scriptures. Your insight may not seem like much to you, but what you say and how you share can greatly benefit and encourage others who are present. We all come from different points in our lives. We all have different points in our Christian walks. Some people have not been Christian long. Some have been Christians for a long, long time. We look at what we have. Some maybe haven't been Christians yet, haven't taken those avenue steps yet, but we encourage. So it also, studying together makes us accountable. Having a good attitude. I hopefully have encouraged others. I know many others have encouraged me to be accountable for my actions. We need to, as we study the scriptures, we're encouraged to examine ourselves. We, we see clearly sometimes the shortcomings that we have. When we look at that, I look at Hebrews 11 that we're studying. It is impossible to please God without faith. Without faith is impossible to please God. Then you ask, how deep is my faith? We encourage one another that we would have that strong faith, that we have faith in each other, that when one of us is missing, it's, it's like we're not as strong. They say you're only as strong as your weakest link when you look at a chain or so on, or a rope, and where it snaps. We encourage one another to be strong, to be stronger when we meet together. We know Jesus in Matthew chapter 5 in the Sermon on the Mount. Let your light so shine before men. You are the salt of the earth. We're salt that we should season, that we are to encourage one another. Do you remember how David benefited from the accountability he received from other people? David's sin with Bathsheba was not pleasing to God. The prophet Nathan came to David and confronted him about 
his ungodly action. And that confrontation led to repentance. It was hard for David to accept the fact that he had messed up. But in the end, it leads him to a closer relationship with God. We do not like listening to the facts that we might be wrong in something. We may even get angry or frustrated. But in the end, when we learn our faults, it can lead to positive changes. Studying God's word together holds us accountable for having a godly attitude. We know that our attendance at church is important because it is an opportunity to worship God. I believe that God expects his people to study his word. Coming to Bible study is not a burden that we have, but I offer it as an opportunity. The early Christians were always eager to meet together and study together. Studying God's word together holds us accountable to being faithful in attendance and faithful in our Bible study times. And it leads to sound doctrine. We think about sound doctrine. I'm going to go to 2 Peter chapter 2 this time. 2 Peter chapter 2, verses 1, 2, and 3. We know that studying God's word can also help us to be held accountable for our doctrine. There are many false teachers out there. In 2 Peter 2, verses 1, 2, and 3, it says, But there were false prophets also among the people, even as there shall be false teachers among you, who privately shall bring in damnable heresies, even denying the Lord that brought that bought them, and bring upon themselves swift destruction. And many shall follow their perniscious ways, by reason of whom the way of truth shall be even evil, evil spoken of. And through covetousness shall they with feigned words make merchandise of you, whose judgment now of a long time lingereth not, and their damnation slumbereth not. You know, there is a reason that Paul told Timothy to watch his life and doctrine closely. Perhaps you could be listening to a preacher and hear them say something of how Proverbs says that if you are generous, you shall surely prosper. You may fall into believing that. But if you are a part of a group that studies God's word, someone may remind you that it may be talking about spiritual prosperity. If you have a group of people, most likely there are people that understand different concepts and have retained different knowledge. And when you pull all that knowledge together, it may be easier for each of us to learn and understand what God wants us to know about him and our salvation. Ultimately, it is God's word that we need to follow. Acts 17 and verse 11. Acts 17 11. These were more fair-minded than those in Thessalonica in that they received the word with all readiness and they ser- search the scriptures daily to find out whether these things were so. Being part of a group study holds us accountable to what we believe. And finally, it develops a strong relationship. Acts 2.42. 
And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship in the breaking of bread and in prayers. They stayed together. They encouraged. They edified one another. They grew in their relationship together. So we look at the U.S. Today poll reported that 11% of Americans read the Bible every day. 11%. The Barna Research Group reports that among these claiming to be Christians, only 18% read the Bible every day, and 23% admit that they have never read the Bible. We look at 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 7 and 8. But reject profane and old wives' table, uh, fables, And exercise yourself toward godliness. For bodily exercise profits a little. But godliness is profitable for all things, having promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. As we mature in Christ, our appetites may change. We start to desire solid food instead of milk. That is what it means to grow in our faith. We need to realize that there is more to our faith than just being saved. When I go to visit, I see my five-month-old granddaughter, and she's on the process right now of switching from milk. Well, she has that bottle, but she has only had the uh, Infamil and so on in the milk. Now is starting to eat sweet potatoes, and you watch that little kid, you know, and, they, and they get, the taste is kind of strange and the look on their face when you give them something new and the half comes out and you got to keep putting it back in their mouth. And, you know, it's funny watching. And I start to realize when I was studying it, I was, I was starting to realize how silly it would be for me to eat that type of food. But yet, that's what they're saying in Christianity. In my, how much have I matured reading the Bible and studying and how much do I know? Am I still like the babe that's just starting off? Some of us may be, and we need the encouragement from others who have been moved to the process and the stakes and, and, and the more of the, the tough that you have, the stuff that you have to chew up pretty well. You think about the maturity. Bible study never grows old. And no matter how long we have been Christian, we know that God's word is still relevant. Because God's word discusses many things that we need today in our lives. Second Timothy, I was in First Timothy now, Second Timothy 2 and 15. Second Timothy 2 and 15, and I'll bring this to a close. Be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of God. I'm sure people after hurricanes have read and reread their insurance policies to see if they are covered or not and what help they can get. They want to know if their homes were covered, if the things inside their homes were covered. They do that to make sure that they do not fail to claim something that the insurance would pay for. They don't want to miss out on something. How much more vital is the word of God, though? It is through the word of God that we see and can claim promises that God offers us. 
It is in the word of God that we read what God expects of us. Yet so many people are living their lives based on how they feel God is and how he will judge them. Sadly, many of those thoughts are based on preconceived ideas rather than the truth from the word of God. I can make this promise to you that if you read God's word regularly for an extended period of time with an open mind and heart, it will change your life for the better. Always remember, though, that there is no one that is above the need to be in and follow the word of God. God invites us to come and to know him better. <coughs> and as we, he has revealed himself in his word. Let us make the most of that opportunity so that we do not miss out on something that he has to offer. That is why God expects members of his church to read the word. I'm going to close with Joshua 1, verses 6, 7, and 8. Moses has died. Joshua is to carry on. He's overwhelmed. You pictured all that Moses has done, and he's a young man growing and he's now taking over. But what he says, God says to him, verses 6, 7, 8, Be strong and courageous, because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate it on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Today, we read a scripture this morning that faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. When we hear God's word, we realize that it causes us to repent. Repentance. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, for the remission of your sins. If there's anyone here this morning that needs to take the steps of believing, repenting, and being baptized for the uh, washing of sin, or if you need to come forward for the prayers of the congregation, you may do so as together we stand and sing.